Our scripture passage is from the letter to the Philippians. Before I read it, I wondered if you've ever driven from San Antonio to Houston on I-10. Um, as you leave San Antonio, you cross Foster Road, but before you get to 1604, there is a crossing of Trash Road, the crossing of I-10 and Trash Road. And off to the right is the San Antonio Landfill. Today, Paul has a word of advice about what to do when your life crosses trash road. This is from Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, today is Sunday, and uh, for my family, that means it's church day, but also for my family, it means it's take the trash to the curb day. It's really important for us to remember because on Monday mornings, bright and early, the trash and recycling trucks come through my neighborhood at breakneck speed before the sun comes up. So my 13-year-old son does his cross training on Sunday evenings and he hauls trash cans to the curb. Preacher Fred Craddock began his sermon on this very passage by admitting a simple and helpful formula for trash. He said it's this, take care of what you have. When it is broken or used up or of no value, then you throw it away. But he admitted this formula can be altered or complicated by marriage of all things. Marriage might change the trash formula to take care of what you have until it's broken or useless to you or anyone else and then store it in the garage. You know, I think it is a common drama in every house and it's a common drama in every life. How do you know what to get rid of and how do you get rid of it? I've been wondering this week about Paul's formula Paul's formula for trash is really puzzling. It seems to me that he might be willing to throw away valuables. 
Paul has this stack of valuable items. They're all his own that he displays before the Philippians. He says, I am a member of the people of Israel. So he's Jewish by birth. Paul is saying he is very much not like the Gentile converts who are trying their best to grasp the Jewish faith by maintaining its restrictions like dietary laws or circumcision. These false teachers are telling the Christians in Philippi that they should do the same. Try jumping through these hoops. Try these hoops, and then you'll be right with God, they say. But for Paul, there is no try. He was simply a Hebrew born of Hebrews. From the tribe of Benjamin, he says, you know, Benjamin was one of Jacob's favorite sons, and this tribe of Benjamin was loyal to the house of David, the only one to remain when the rest of the northern kingdom broke away. You might also remember that King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. King Saul, Paul's own namesake. Paul tells the Philippians he was a Pharisee. Paul was a member of a small sect who were faithful and sincere upholders of the law. Josephus, the historian Josephus, reported that the Pharisees were scrupulous in observing the law. And they were experts in its interpretation. They knew their way around the Hebrew Bible, and they knew what taking it seriously meant for day-to-day life. Pharisees also believed that the Levitical uh, rules of purity for priests should be applied to all Jews, a whole nation, holy to God. So Paul knew what it was like to practice a very rigorous and precise faith every day. He tells the Philippians he was zealous, and about the law, he was blameless. Paul is not describing a caricature of himself here. Humble or not in a bragging contest, Paul wins, hands down. The stack of valuables in verses 5 and 6 is Paul's experience. These are Paul's credentials. They don't qualify for a trip to the curb. They don't qualify for a resting place in the garage. They should be displayed on a shelf. And yet Paul says he regards them as loss because of Christ. He repeats himself on this point. They are a loss because of Christ three times until he works himself up to describing these credentials as rubbish. Rubbish is an unusual word in the Bible. Especially in the Greek, it's not exactly suitable for letter writing. In fact, Paul doesn't use it in any of his other letters. Although this word um, has become more fashionable in our days and in our world, it even has its own emoji on my phone. The word that gets translated into rubbish in English, well, it's cleaned up in English, and that's a shame. (laughs) Because a more accurate translation is excrement or manure. And I think this is really important so that we can get what Paul is talking about here. Have I told you I have horses? I sure do. I have two horses on my property at my house now. And they are teaching me a thing or two about, well, we'll call it rubbish. We're polite. The first thing I want to tell you about horse rubbish is there's a lot of it. And the second thing I want you to know is that We don't bag it up and take it to the curb. We do not. That would be ridiculous. 
There's too much of it to transport. Instead, it stays on our property and it works for us as a fertilizer. Did you know there's an actual piece of farm equipment called a manure spreader? Yeah, I acquired one on my wedding anniversary of this year. I did. It was at the end of 2020, so I thought it was appropriate. A manure spreader works by shoveling the rubbish in, and then it distributes the rubbish across the field, maintaining the quality of the soil without contaminating the water supply. So if you come to visit me, hopefully you won't see any signs of the rubbish other than green grass and maybe some very um, green flourishing pecan trees. So I tell you this because I wonder if I haven't misread Paul in this modern age um, as a city slicker. Before Philippi became a Roman colony, it was a farming community. And if the original hearers of Paul's letters didn't have firsthand experience of rubbish, they had grandparents who told them how it worked. You know, I think Paul doesn't bag up his credentials for the curb. Instead, I believe he works them into the soil of his life to the point that they are unnoticeable, put to good use where they belong. Paul wants the Roman citizens of Philippi to do the very same thing with their Roman citizenship or even with how they practice the faith. Richard Rohr Richard Rohr has done quite a bit of writing and thinking about a concept that Thomas Merton first introduced to Christians, the concept of the true self and the false self. The true self is the part of you that knows who you are and whose you are. The true self knows that you are loved and chosen. Writer Anne Lamott teaches Children's Sunday School at her church, and she says that the main lesson that she likes to teach to children is called Loved and Chosen. And she teaches it by telling the children they are loved and chosen, loved to the point of being outside of your comfort zone. And so she'll gather the children in her class and she'll say, I wonder if anyone in here, she'll pick up her Bible, I wonder if anyone in here is wearing a Pokemon shirt. A Pokemon shirt. How about that? Believe it or not, what a coincidence. You are loved and chosen. Or she'll say, I wonder if anyone in here has on a white shirt and is wearing glasses. Oh, well, how about that? It says, the Bible says, you are loved and chosen. As is every single one of us. You see, that's what your true self knows. That you are loved and chosen. But the false self, the false self is a poser. <laughs> the false self jumps through hoops and stacks up credentials, but doesn't know what real unconditional love is. You see, the false self, the false self is comprised of things like body image and job and education and clothes and money and car and sexual identity and success. It's comprised of the things that don't last eternally. It's defined by the categories that we often use to introduce ourselves to others, but it's limited. 
The false self isn't bad. It often helps us find our way in the world. But if I live under the illusion that things are only about me, I can end up over-defining myself as separate from others, as superior to other people. It was Thomas Merton who said, if you have learned only how to be a success, your life has probably been wasted. There simply is so much more. Don't miss out. So like Paul, we take our markings of success. We count them as rubbish. We lose ourselves to find ourselves. The things that define us in the world's eyes are not the things that define us in God's eyes. They are rubbish, forced rubbish. You see, Paul's not ashamed of his potentials. I'm afraid I've read this passage that way before. He's not ashamed. He simply says, for loving God and for loving God's people, my credentials are of no use. Prestige and success is useless. This passage ends with Paul telling the Philippians that he hasn't yet reached his goal. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus, and the goal is to know Christ. And the goal is to know Christ because he's been talking about it in the paragraph beforehand, twice. Once in verse 8 and once in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. I want the value of knowing Christ. And so the goal is relationship. The goal is connection. It's faith as more and more trust in God through Christ. No longer does Paul seek success in matters of life or in matters of faith. Plow that prestige and that honor into the ground. Paul doesn't want us to make that mistake. The priority instead is knowing Christ, being found in Christ. That's the true prize. That's what we're after. I was reminded this week that the whole of the letter to the Philippians is centered around a passage that's found in chapter 2 of, of, of Philippians. It's chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. It is a hymn. Uh, it is a poetic creed. And all of the letter is centered on this creed. All of the letter is a reflection of this poem. It's the center of gravity for the whole letter. What I want you to know about this poem is it is not groveling at the feet of an unapproachable Savior. This is instead a statement of how we know God to be and who we want to be. Humble. So would you read with me Philippians chapter 2? We'll begin with verse 5 and read through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him, 
and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.